All right, so I'm, we're here on the uh, Dr. Stitches podcast. I'm here with Ken Graham, you know. Colin, it's great to see you. Yeah, good old friend. We've known each other for a long time. A long time. Yeah, going back to when I was just a little kid. Yes. And uh, you did some work for my dad in, uh, in I was his, I was his computer guy back in the Windows 98 days. I built his computer network. Yeah, so and, was, and he did his whole, uh, like, set up the, basically the whole system for... Metatech, the whole thing. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. I'm sure that stuff was kind of a hassle as well. It was. Uh, the proprietary nature of the Metatech system uh, required a lot of interface with them, mm -hmm. and it was a lot of hair tearing out, as you can see. It yeah. never recovered? No. <laughs> that, is, is that what contributed to some of the, the hair loss back then? <laughs> Not really. But, <laughs> but it was, you know, it was, uh, it was challenging, but it was also fun at the same time. Working with your dad was awesome. Yeah. You know, but here we are in 2021. Yeah. Up here in uh, St. Helena. And Beautiful area. I love your setup here. Yeah, I know. It's great. It's uh, so cool. It's come together a lot. And uh, so, so anyway, so we, we've been able to reconnect after all these years. And, uh, and in fact, when, uh, when we first saw each other, I hardly even recognized you from, from when I was younger. It was a big change in my life. <laughs> yeah. I'm half the man I used to be, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so... Literally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So can you tell me um, basically just a little bit about... Sure. What, you, where you were at that time in your life and basically how it's transitioned to now. Unfortunately, my son, until now, never got to see me healthy growing up mm -hmm. because I had diabetes and uh it progressed very quickly what do you mean he never really well, got to he, see you he knew me as a big guy okay i used to be a runner i ran a 408 mile in high school and a 152 half yeah i had dreams of the olympics and then i pulled my hamstring at justin sienna ouch that's crazy um, and then after the air force uh i lived in oklahoma for a while i was flying all the time but around age 35 on up, my life started changing because the diabetes that was common in my family occurred with me as well. And it, it got bad. My blood sugars began to go up and, uh, you know, denial. And then what happens is um, you are in a state where your body begins to uh, really uh, get all kinds of different conditions. And I didn't really attend to it. Yeah, and as is there as I could. is there any kind of lifestyle uh, part that goes into it? Like all of a sudden you're, you know, you started uh, getting diabetes, but it was uh, was it? Did your lifestyle change at all? Well, that you know, I, I like food. Yeah, uh, and my my mom was taught to cook by Julia Child. She's an original Mondavi employee, and so food has always been a large part of my life. But when you're diabetic it can become like a poison to you, right. unfortunately. And of course, my life as a video editor and a video engineer, and I traveled. Spent a lot it, of time it, inside. I spent yeah. a lot of time inside uh, yeah. working with producers. It was all fun, but there was a lot of snacking. And the lifestyle that I had was not helping me at all. And uh, who began to attend to me was someone we both know, um, Dr. Uh, Tom Seward. Right. And he kept saying, hey, look at your blood sugars. You know, we're, we're up above, you know, 150 now and climbing and it's getting worse. And, and what's what's normal? Like, where should you be at? They like, would like to sugars? see people below 100. Uh, by mm -hmm. the way, this morning, uncorrected, I was 72. 
72. Yeah. Dang. So you went yeah. from 150. Oh, I went higher seven, than that. Oh, went higher oh, than that. Oh, yeah. Um, he had to put me on things like metformin. Uh, I started off with 750 milligrams. It went to 1,000, went to 1,500. I think I was up to 2,000 milligrams a day of metformin. Uh, blood sugars were spiking to 200 at times. Right. Um, and then also what, what happened is kidneys began to have problems. Liver dysfunction begins to happen. And then also there's a cognitive part. When you have diabetes, it affects everything. Right. And he, he began to say at that point, we need to look at other modalities. And so I tried something called Bieta, which is the synthetic spit of a Gila monster. Mm -hmm. I injected it. Um, I tried another injectable. Then I began to get sick. So at that point, after dealing with this for 15 years, I went to see Tom. And what he had not known is I was already um, looking into bariatric surgery. And you were already like, I was just researching doing, it. Yeah, just on the internet. I'm a big researcher and I'm like, this is it. Yeah. And I went in to see Tom and he's like, oh no, we're, we're putting you on insulin today. It's over. And what you have to understand about Tom Seward, and I know him well enough, there's kind of a, and he knows how to motivate me. He was saying, oh no, it's over. There's no chance. Mm -hmm. And, but he was also kind of ribbing me saying, you know, you better get serious and get with the program. And the statement that I made to him was, You've been my doctor for 15 years and you've documented all this. Why don't you send this on to UCSF and have them take a look at it? Yeah. And he went, okay. So there was a, a lady that worked for him named Mary and Mary called me a couple days later and she said, I've just put together this entire document on your medical history. If they don't accept this, I don't know what to tell you. And so that was December of 2015. Mm-hmm. Now, I have family in Southern California. Unfortunately, my aunt and uncle have since passed, but I spent a lot of time with them. They lived in Huntington Harbor. They had a boat called the Poco Loco. We spent a lot of time down there. So I was in Southern California yeah. for, for Christmas of 2015. And it had been a week and uh, got a call from UCSF. <laughs> I'm like, what do you want? And, and, like, when, and how long had it been since a you week? had? Oh, just one week. Yeah. And they were like, we want you to come in. On, on January 5th, and you're gonna meet your doctor, Dr. Stanley Rogers. Now, I'm thinking to myself, I have to go through this whole program first, and, but they had somehow decided I was gonna be selected to be a bariatric patient. That was the first clue that you know something was up. So um, we, went, we got back and we went to that meeting, and, and if, if, if you know about bariatrics, you have to kind of go through a candidacy program Mm -hmm. And you have to listen to a briefing. And this one, a specific briefing was given by a gentleman who's on my Facebook page named Ryan Wilson. <laughs> Love you, man. <laughs> and Ryan is a PA. And he worked directly under Dr. Stanley Rogers, who is the chief of bariatrics at UCSF, who's also my surgeon. So you go into this program and you're with all these other people. And I'm looking at them going, Wow, I look good at 300 pounds. These people are obese, you know. <laughs> and I mean, there there were some five and 600 pound people in there. Yeah. So all of a sudden, and, you're like, man, maybe I'm not so bad. <laughs> well, <laughs> excuse me. I <clears throat> realized that something was wrong, but I was in a different condition. And a lot of people, Colin, look at bariatric surgery as I'm going to lose weight. And my whole thing was, 
if I am lucky enough to get this surgery, I want it to cure my um, comorbidities, as they are called. What are comorbidities? Those are things that are going to kill you. Uh, diabetes, high blood pressure, liver and kidney dysfunction. I had all of those things. Which can lead to probably cardiac arrest or... Here's the cool right. thing. In my case, no. I had a really strong heart. Why? Because I was an athlete all my life. So the 300-pound Ken was still an athlete. I just had to be chiseled away. The heart was in really good shape. Yeah. And that was a prerequisite to being able to be selected for the surgery. Because if you have heart conditions, I'm oh, sorry, so you're not going to have bariatric surgery. Oh. You can die on the table. Got it. Yeah. So I go through the meeting and everybody leaves. And Ryan's like, we want you to stay. And so they all got shuffled off to go do other things. And he's like, um, we're going to take an hour for lunch and you're going to meet Dr. Rogers today, your surgeon. I'm like, well, what, what, what about all this? He says, oh no, you're already selected. You're, you're in the program. Yeah. And like they already knew you were in before they knew. you even got there. Just based off of your records and. Two, um, two qualities I think stood out to them. One. I was very sick. I was going to have a stroke. They did not know when, but it was going to be soon. But the other quality was I have this incredible desire to live and fight. Yeah. And they noted this and they thought, wow, this dude would be an excellent candidate for our program. But there's an experimental component to what I did as well. And so it's I, I didn't just have the Ruin Y gastric bypass. I signed an experimental agreement and they eliminated 18 inches of my intestine from my body as an experimental procedure to... to, to so they don't normally take out any intestines They do bariatric they, surgery. Well, since me, it's become kind of something More they're doing. Common. Yes. But what they wanted to study was nutrient uptake because the big issue with bariatric patients and there are several types of bariatric surgeries, by the way. There's the gold standard, the RU-NY gastric bypass. Okay. There's the sleeve gastrectomy, which I didn't want. I wanted the RU-NY. And then there's something that UCSF won't even consider doing, and that's where they put this foreign object in you, mm -hmm. and they kind of constrict it, and they give, put saline, and they're like, no, we're not doing that, because if it fails, you can die. So are they, in a bariatric surgery, are, do they cut out any fat cells or anything like that? What, is that how it works? No, what they do is they cut your stomach and they, near the duodenum, they, they take some of the, if you will, pipes and they kind of reorient them. And the mechanism of bariatric surgery is actually not completely understood, but what they think happens is in the process of manipulating all this stuff, the body re reacts and responds. Um, I was living right after surgery, I think I was on no more than 900 calories per day. And that means extreme weight loss because uh, I had to lower myself to 285 pounds to have the surgery, which mm -hmm. I did. I did everything they asked me to do and still am doing everything they asked me to do. And the other thing is that uh, you have to be in a position where they want to see certain things happen. The liver has to be shrunk. You know, bariatric patients, you know, have these really big livers and they want to shrink it down. So that's a lot of water, reduced calories. In the process of losing weight, your liver shrinks because they're doing the surgery right under the liver. 
Got it. So it's almost proportionally if they're trying to shrink the, you know, your intestines or anything like that in a bariatric surgery, proportionally they want some of the organs to shrink. That's right. As well. Exactly the case. In this case, the liver. Um, back or, to the yeah, the liver. Yeah, the liver. Um, my liver had some problems. Uh, it had some scarring, but it wasn't dead or anything. It just you know, livers can regenerate, mm -hmm. and you know, they're doing all kinds of other things now. You know, uh, it, that's a whole other discussion. But they've got to get you to shrink the livers, so they immediately put you on a very restrictive diet. And once you achieve the target weight, they will set a goal for you uh, for for surgery. But they won't do that until you prove to them that you've lost the weight. And you have to go, by the way, every single month to, in my case, UCSF, to the bariatric support group, and you're assigned a dietitian. and nothing against the dietitian, but she is kind of a Nazi. And she's <laughs> so like, she's just yeah, well, do this. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, she's tough. And like uh, no alcohol, no, nope, like, nope, nothing. Nope, none of that. But you could get away with a glass or two here and there, right? I cannot drink any champagne now. That will totally knock me out. But oh, yeah, and yes. you also can't drink, uh, like I know I've got my fizzy cannot, water here. I can't drink that. And you um, can't drink that. No, <laughs> that will completely upset my pH balance. Uh, and anything that has carbonation in it actually fizzes out all your calcium. Because I'm on 2,000 units of calcium per day along with a bariatric multivitamin. But what you have to understand is after the surgery, within a week, they discontinued my lisinopril. If you have high blood pressure, you know what lisinopril is. They discontinued my Bieta. They discontinued my metformin. All the medications that I was on were gone. Oh man. And it was replaced by so the your, calcium. So your bathroom that's full of all these different gone. pills. Turned it all that's into gotta, UCSF. That's gotta be so nice, right? Wow, yeah. Yeah. And the first thing I noticed uh, after surgery within a week, even though it was painful, and it is painful, you have to walk and drink water and you, and you have to walk and make sure you get through this because your first six weeks of recovering bariatric surgery is most critical. And I have to say, there are people that have not done well with it, but I always ask them, did you follow the protocol? And they're like, well, no. you know. And and you got to follow the protocols that they set. But the, uh, do you think most patients are following the protocol? No, it, no, nope. It's just too hard. It's it's, no, it's hard not. to follow the protocol. In my case, I had two options: live or die. And mm -hmm. and I if I had continued on with the lifestyle, even if I didn't die, it was going to have a stroke, and and then I was going to be really yeah. in a bad place, right? Right. So I was again motivated. Now I'm ex Air Force. I have discipline. Uh, I'm very goal oriented, right. and so I utilize those characteristics. And Dr. Rogers, right at, within hours of my surgery um, that day. By the way, the surgery was only two hours and twenty five minutes. That's okay. it. They had me on morphine, which I hated. They wanted me to walk over. Did they put you out like you're on anesthesia? Yeah, yeah. You're you're gone. I imagine so. You're yeah. under. Yeah. Um, he says I was in a twilight state. And apparently they can talk to you during surgery, but I have no recollection of that. <laughs> um, I was going down the hallway in the gurney and, you know, with my camera going, hey, hi, and then I was gone. Right. Apparently I, I dropped the phone or something and, you know, I was out. As soon yeah. as they gave me the anesthesia later. 
I have no recollection of the surgery, but it was a very successful surgery. Two hours and 25 minutes is a standard. Mm -hmm. uh, they said it was easy. Do you remember waking up from the surgery? I remember waking up, uh, no. I remember just waking up uh, in the room. Yeah. And, and I looked out and there was Sutro Tower and I'm like, wow, I've got my own room, this is cool. Yeah. And I, and I hurt. And he came in about two hours after my surgery and leaned over and said, drink water and walk and you're gonna be great. And it's gonna hurt, but you gotta do it. So I, I took his mandate very seriously. Dr. Stanley Rogers, awesome guy. Like as, uh, and that's as like a, uh, that wasn't just like that moment, but it was, that's what you're supposed to do habitually. Right. Drink now, water and walk all the time. Right. Now before this surgery, Colin, I had to go through a series of small medical procedures. Endoscopy, twice. Colonoscopy, oh boy, that's fun. Because they require it before. They require the it. But as an experimental patient, uh, eight weeks after surgery, I had another endoscopy with another doctor and they wanted to specifically look at my pouch and they wanted to take a biopsy and they did uh, sedate me, but I was awake for the entire procedure. There's nothing like a camera going down your throat, man. You're going, ah, ah, you know, <laughs> and, but, and they're like, are you all right? I'm like, ah, yeah, fine. you know, uh. but they, they go down there and, and I remember them saying, wow, look at his pouch. It looks incredible. Wow. You know, so my response to this surgery was stellar. It was mm -hmm. a 10 out of 10 and it restored me to in many ways better than my health has ever been. Yeah, like you feel better than almost you ever have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My cognitive functions were being severely impacted. I don't want to say degraded. I'm an intelligent guy. But when you have extreme diabetes, your emotions are affected badly. And I was having mood swings and I was having all the telltale signs that something was very wrong. As soon as uh, the surgery component was complete, the recovery was complete, I felt like a whole new person. Mm -hmm. And I still feel that way. There was something, I, I could tell certain feelings in my body were not healthy. Those are all gone. Yeah. My emotions are intact. Um, I look at life a little differently now. Uh, I decide if it's worth it or not. Drama is not anything I want to be a part of. And you just kind of go, nope. Because so it feels it, like it a near death experience like in a way right the old like ken it's... is dead the old ken is dead and the person i believe i was always meant to be was recovered through bariatric surgery how about that that's incredible and you know and it's basically the, the only way to get to this new ken was through bariatric surgery there yes. was there's nothing else in terms of prescription pills um, well, or, no. or lifestyle, or even just lifestyle to, to get you to where you One are One thing they don't tell you, they don't, you know, drug companies, what do they want to do? They want to sell drugs, right? Of course. What do you think all those drugs do to your liver? Oh, yeah. They kill the liver. Yeah. And there is a morbidity experience. Sure, you've uh, lowered the numbers. Sure, you've, you know, brought things down, but you haven't cured anything with drugs. Okay? Yeah. This is a cure, and that's the other thing. We have proven 
with my Roux-en-Y gastric bypass and the elimination of the 18 inches of intestine, that morbidities, comorbidities like diabetes can be cured. Yeah. Um, I just had my four-year check with Tom Seward. And, you know, you go in and you get a lab test. And I wish I had brought that with me because the sheet is like, there's nothing, there's no remarks. Before yeah. it was like, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is bad, this is wrong. There was nothing good before. And he, and he looked at me. And he said, and I'll, I'll send you some of the graphics if you want to put them in the final podcast. Yeah, I can. I can and I'll put send it on you that. a bunch of pictures that you can put in so people can see what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. But what you literally see in the graphic I'm going to send you is the blood sugar numbers that were spiking are literally just, literally almost down to, well, they are down to normal. And I continue to live uh, at a state where if I maintain this, I will never need these medications again. I will live a quality life. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully, and as my doctor said, you'll probably get hit by a bus or something. You know, no, no, <laughs> not really. But, you know, yeah. I, and I'm, I'm trying to get my pilot's license back. The, uh, the FAA has not been particularly uh, easy to deal with on getting my third class medical. I flew for years. I love flying. I had to give all that up because of my sickness. But it's crazy. It's like all those things that you were doing earlier in your life. And then you kind of went through the phase of um, diabetes. And then you lost a lot of the things that it seemed like that you were doing before. I spent a lot. And now you're able to kind of get back to those things. I was spending a lot of time in bed, uh, wiped out, emotionally strung out, life sucks. And I never had those attitudes. This was the diabetes affecting me. Um, when I had my bariatric surgery, one thing I've always done all my life is RV. Um, my grandfather owned an Airstream and he used to pick me up and take me places. And I happened to find a little class A RV. It's now called Flare One at Chardonnay Golf Club. And I bought it for 5,600 bucks. And I don't know, it was weird. I saw Flare and it was like this 22 foot motorhome that needed some love. Yeah. And I went, well, I got a second chance at life. Flare One needs a second chance yeah, at life. <laughs> and I named it Flare One from the very beginning. And it's And Flare... you put a lot of time into that. Yeah, I, I think I got 24,000 in it now. And uh, in materials in, and in, labor in upkeep and, and maintenance yeah. and bringing it back. And I've gone all over the place. Um, we went up to LaConnor, Washington uh, back in January. It was amazing. Uh, the Puget Sound area is great. I can drive a motorhome five, six, eight, ten hours if I have to. I don't like driving it that long, but I'm now able to do all these things that I was not healthy enough to do before. Because if I would drive for four or five hours before, I was wiped out. Yeah, you know. So the 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 UCSF uh, bariatric surgery protocols, and I'm so thankful to all of them, literally gave me my life back. Now you have to understand something. There are people that go to clinics and get bariatric surgeries. They and they do this thing called, you know, they do different procedures, but they may not go through the same protocols or have the same set of controls put into place. I've met people who've had the surgery, Colin, who are smoking. I'm like, yeah, are you? They can't stick with the insane? program. It's kind of an all-or-nothing sort of right procedure. It's, if you're going to do it, you know, you have to be all in. And does it? Is it right? My question is: You have to embrace this program. And you have to this embrace protocol. the entire program because if you if it comes back, there's no second chances. Yeah. So my question is: 
are you worse off if you go through bariatric mm. surgery and you don't follow if you the, the protocols than you would if you just didn't do it at all? Yes and no. Um, if you had the condition that I had before, you and I would not be talking right now. I, I think I would be either, you know, uh, in a condition where I would not be functional or I would be dead. So you have the procedure and you violate those protocols and you go back to how you were and you gain all that weight. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. It is not going to be good. It's not going to be good. But I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to be the big Ken that I used to be. And it is, in fact, when your dad saw me, I think he did a double take. And I, I said, yeah, I got my life <laughs> like back. Like I said, I didn't even recognize you. Right. And I think you recognized me first, which was funny because I was, it had been, yeah. I mean, since I was a kid. And it was funny that you I recognized me. I first met me. you when you were seven years old. And you've always <laughs> been an awesome kid. And by the way, I'm a teacher. I taught high school electronics. I taught at PUC. And I kind of interfaced with Colin, and, and you were my one of my Awana kids, yeah. but I also interfaced with you in different ways. And here you are now, president of your own company, Yep. lovely wife, lovely children, look at you. The whole thing. We're friends. And yeah. it's cool because the medical stuff is very important to me. I am mm -hmm. so thankful for it. And I'm thankful for people like you that are innovating medically. Yeah. We need that. Exactly. And you know, I actually didn't, it's funny that I ended up back in the medical space. I grew up around it just with my dad being a physician and, uh, you know, my older brother went into medical school and residency right. and I was like, you know what, that's for him. I don't want to spend 10 years in right. medical school and residency. You're and an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. Yes. And, you know, and then the, you know, the fact that my dad had this surgery and um, he had this just reversal of roles where he was became the patient when he's usually the physician. Right. And right. he realized that the surgery recovery process was antiquated. Right. And there was a, some very simple innovations that we could do with simply just having some basic classic clothing that I like, had, like. I like the clothing you're designing. It's cool. Inner pockets where you can put your postoperative drain and, um, you know, and it just makes the the process easier because currently they're just they're still just taping drains to people's body and oh yeah i would um, have gladly worn your clothing if it had been, <laughs> <laughs> the gown they gave me was like ooh yeah uh, in fact i have a picture i'll send you my friend john mulligan who i grew up with came to visit me but so your clothing is it's it's wonderful it's well designed i think Thank it you. gives dignity yes. to the patient that's the number one thing <laughs> you know? and that's what we always hear is the is the dig the word dignity because I mean, gallons at the end of the day, it's a pretty, it's non-dignifying or undignifying, right. whatever the word is. Oh yeah. But it's, you already feel bad as a patient. And, yeah. you know, and then just to have to wear some Mickey Mouse gown on top of it. Right. It's not, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's just, not the way it should be. It's not the way it should be. Exactly. So, so I so, went from a 48 inch waist to a 36. And one of the big secondary issues of bariatric surgery is you're going to have to have skin surgery, right? Because you've got all this hanging skin. I don't have that. I've always been a runner and I swim. Yeah. So and my what about body, that? So no. your body just adapted, yep. skin adapted. It totally adapted. Is that always the I have case, a little or? bit here, but it's not like, which, it's, it's not bad. 
you know, it's not like, whoa, right. and I don't have the drooping skin at all. I don't need it. Another cool spinoff of my past life as an athlete um, paid off in this surgery. My skin's pretty elastic. And I was very happy about that. I, he, my doctor kept going, do you want the skin surgery? I'm like, no, I don't need it. Every time I'd say, you want the skin surgery? It's free. I'm like, no, I don't want it. I don't need it. You know? Yeah. So uh, I think I was um, an encouragement to Dr. Rogers too, because I went in with the attitude, Colin, I'm going to be the best patient he's ever had. And I'm going to be the best post-operative patient I can be for UCSF. I was hoping to become their poster child in yeah. a way. That didn't really happen. They, you know, they have budgets and they have other things yeah. and they have boards of directors and they have politics. And like that, every big, huge, oh yeah. gigantic organization. Ryan Wilson, the PA, has since left. He's still at UCSF, but now he's in the emergency room. He okay. got out of the whole thing there. Yeah. And I get it. But I only see Dr. Rogers once every few years now. Um, mm. If there were any complications, that were to happen, I am to report immediately to UCSF. Mm -hmm. But there have been no complications. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, you're looking, you're looking great, and you're doing. What are you doing for exercise? I walk a lot. Uh, my current job at Ace Hardware, I do a lot of receiving, and there's a lot of walking. Uh, I don't run anymore. I used to be a runner. I can't stand running yeah, anymore. Well, well, you know, my uh, wife, uh, she used to be a big runner. Yeah, and it's bad on your body. It's just hard on the joints, and she just had health complications and she's actually is now a jazzercise instructor good for her but just more just the dancing movement and oh, yeah. it's just so much easier on her limbs than right. the pounding of the of the running on I, your joints i do have a, a post running condition that's been with me since justin where i pulled my hamstring and my left leg does tighten up a lot and i always have bananas uh in the household because it even when I'm on the, the flare journeys, I keep bananas because eating a banana seems to really help. Yeah. Um, so there's there's that. But that that's from a former injury. Last night, I had a Charlie horse a little bit. Yeah. And so I get up and I walk. Um, am I exercising as much as I should be? Probably not. But my body is doing a great job of, of maintaining the weight loss. They wanted me at 170 pounds. I'm 192 right now. Okay. I don't want to be at 170. Yeah, 170 no. is thin. It's yeah. sickly, in yeah. my opinion. Uh, I think I can probably give them 185 to 190. But what I will tell you, 200 is a danger point for me. And anything over 200 is like begging trouble. So do you track your BMI? I do. You do? It's currently 25.3. Uh, 25.3. Uh, my A1C, which used to be 10.8, is now 5.1. There you go. You know, hey, there you and go. A1C is a uh, measurement of sugar over time. The last three months, it's a snapshot in time. And bariatric candidates all have high A1Cs, and that's how they look at that. Blood sugar measurements are great, but the A1C will tell you more. Okay. Uh, and of course, my my blood pressures, which used to be like 160 over 86, is now like 120 over 65. Wow. Yeah. I beat it, man. I really have. Yeah. Um, I haven't reapplied for life insurance. Uh, maybe I should. Uh, I'm just living life. I'm having yep. a good old time. I'm trying to get back into aviation. I'm RVing. You know, I, I have goals. Uh, it's great. And I feel good. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just uh, 
you know, that is such a huge component to, to life is, you know, a lot of times we focus so much on just productivity and things that we, you know, got to get done. But right. sometimes it's more important to first focus on your health and how you're feeling. It and is. Then things come from that. They do. Because sleep. you want to be in sleeping. Sleep is important. Um, I think around nine o'clock at night, I'm dozing off. And if I do stay awake after that, I will fall asleep. Your body kind of naturally forces you to go to sleep. You yeah. will get eight to nine hours of sleep a night as a mm -hmm. bariatric patient. I used to have insomnia. I don't have it anymore. You know, it's funny when you talk about sleep. I remember um, there was a, uh, before I got married, we had some uh, marriage counseling. It was this great guy, this counselor, uh, Christian guy. And he actually even spoke at our church one day because um, he was actually a previous pastor as well. And the one sermon that he did, you know what the subject was about? What? It was about how we need to get sleep. And he He's said, right. he says the majority of the problems that he sees of his clients or patients um, is that sleep deprivation is a really common denominator Especially amongst a lot today. of people. With the internet, television. Oh, on your phone, you on can your just phone. be glazing over. It's not healthy. Yeah. And the, uh, hey, question, will, will Stitches Medical end up making a line for bariatric patients? I mean, perhaps. It might be. What, um, do you have any design ideas at all? <laughs> we can talk about that. Yeah, we can talk you know, about that. That'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Our, the idea, the concept of Stitches. I love what you're doing. Is that we want to have clothing for each kind of medical circumstance that Right. someone is going through and yes and so we want to design something for that circumstance sure and um, and so whether it's just the, it's all about just making your life more mobile and and easier right and so if even for you know eventually we want to get into arthritis type clothing wow so for just easy closures magnetic closures if yeah. people have a tough time snapping or unbuttoning right um even innovation you're all, you're all, i love that you're always about innovation and and these are i think you're going to change the industry yeah i really do yep uh, this guy right here keep your eye on colin white <laughs> stitches medical that's right he's the one to follow and you know i think with uh you because know, especially with uh just the boom in e-commerce that we're seeing these days and that people are able to search for products that fit their lifestyles more yes. is gonna really create a big rise um, for our business and our concept. Yes. Because you know, traditionally people always just went to the, just the large department stores where just they had just the simple standard clothing that was available and it's basically, this is what you get. Right. And so, and for them, to, to have a line of clothing for people in medical circumstances or with disabilities, that just didn't make any sense. It wasn't a mass market type product. Right. And so we're really trying to go against and disrupt that whole idea of, you know, just the idea of just traditional clothing. Like let's, let's actually make clothing based off of making your life more mobile and just make you comfortable. I can't tell you, and I'll send you the picture uh, with John and I'm wearing this smock and when I'm walking down the halls of UCSF with my tail between my legs and <laughs> pulling an IV I was self-conscious oh yeah <laughs> okay like, I don't need anybody to see me right now and, no photos please even you know, though you have a photo and you know you're walking through the halls and people are looking at you and I'm like whatever I'm gonna keep going you know 
but yeah. you are self-conscious and it's almost like the medical clothing that they give you is designed to like make you less of a person. I don't know what it is, but, yeah. but it, it, it's, it's what you're doing is cool. Yeah. And I think, like I said, you're going to bring a, a level of dignity. Uh, and if a patient feels good about themselves wearing this, I think they're going to get better. Well, and it's just like any other uh, clothing that you would wear. Like the clothing has a huge component to your self-esteem. Right. I mean, you know, when you go to a, you know, a nice dinner or a wedding and you put on that nice suit and you look in the mirror, oh, yeah. you feel great. You feel better. Maybe it you should gives make you a confidence. bow tie for the, uh, <laughs> you know. Hey, There's all kinds of ideas. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think it's just clothing. It's, you know, you can't disregard the impact that it has on your self-esteem. Right. It's very 100%. evident. And, oh, yeah. you know, I, I would say just. Uh, I was definitely conscious of, <laughs> oh, man, you know, it wasn't fun. But I, I did what Dr. Rogers asked me to do. And, um I just, I went for it. The other component, Colin, is water. I can't, I've tried to drink a gallon a day. I can't do it. I've tried. They want you to drink 64 ounces of water a day. Do I drink as, enough water? No, I know I don't. Yeah. Uh, and there are telltale signs of that. But I'm trying to increase my water and I'm carrying water with me at all times in the car. It's in the flare. It's at work. I have access to water. I'm, I'm focusing on you got your water hydration. right there. Got my, hey, thank yeah. you. <laughs> water. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the other thing is um, the bariatric patient especially needs hydration. Uh, it, it's it's critical for right. processes. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's it's funny because it's the the recipes are always the same for for everything it's, right. it's always drink your water right exercise have some green with uh with, with your with your food you yes. know vegetables yes and you know just having a well-balanced diet and you, you follow just some very basic you know aspects you know those basic aspects yep it's just going to contribute to a healthier life 100 percent the other thing is if, if you're out there and you're like, wow, I want to lose weight, but I, I don't want this procedure, cut your calories. The minute you cut your calories, weight begins to fall off. Mm -hmm. uh, I came out of the surgery on a liquid diet for the first eight weeks. Yeah. And then you slowly transition. And, you know, it hurt. Your pouch hurts and it rejects food. Um, right. I'm getting to the point where I probably stretched it out a little bit. Right. Um, and I'm, I, I know I have, but I haven't blown it, but I can actually eat a bit more than probably I should be able to, but I eat every two hours. Mm -hmm. Um, but there are certain foods that don't feel well with me and heavy fried foods. I used to love fried chicken. Can't really eat it anymore. It makes me sick. Makes me nauseous. Yeah. So yeah, you know, green leafy vegetables. I love soup. I eat soups all the time. Yeah, soup is amazing. You know, sure, was, and people and you who can know put me, all kinds of vegetables in it. You know. Oh yeah, and it's. I like, love to it's, barbecue. It's delicious. You know, and oh, I do yeah. a lot of barbecuing. So, what kind of barbecue do you uh, use? Well, I, I, I have the green egg, of <laughs> yeah. course. You know, but the thing is, is people see me make a lot of food, and they're like, "Are you going to eat all that?" I'm like, "No, I'm going to give it away. I'm going to put it in the fridge. I'm going to put it. You know, I'm, I'm make soup out of it." But I still love steak and all those things that I used to love. Uh, potatoes. Uh, if I'm gonna eat them, red potatoes. Red potatoes. They seem that? to agree with the pouch better. By the way, his name is Mr. Pouch. 
<laughs> Mr. Mr. Pouch is Mr. in charge. Pouch. Mr. Oh, Pouch. he's in charge. Yeah, he's in charge. And then, of course, so, uh, and then you drink coffee, too. Well, yes. <laughs> and drink coffee that I roast. And this guy is getting into yep, coffee, too. That's right. Coffee roast right and here. I've been running something called the Teeny Tiny Coffee Company since 2012. And I have to tell you, when you're drinking, as you know now, organic fair trade coffee, yep. it's good for your body. It's good for your eyes. And, and, and roasted properly. Not burnt. Yep. Like some of these other roasters that we shall not we name. We won't name any of them. Do. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I love coffee. Uh, but champagne, oh no. It in fact, I had some at a friend's house uh, a year and a half ago. And I don't know what happened, but I woke up eight hours later. Like, what happened? And I called Dr. Rogers and he said, the, the effervescence of the champagne goes directly in your bloodstream and it is not good for you. And in some cases it can be fatal. So stop doing that. <laughs> so can I have some wine? Sure. I still love red wine. I still love white wine. Just reduced amounts. That's all. Right. Uh, whiskey. Used to love drinking this stuff. Are you kidding? It puts me one little bit. I'm gone. Yeah. Nope. Uh, uh, dirty martinis. Oh, nope. Nope. I love those too, but nope. <laughs> No, I'm gone. Uh, Bloody Marys, love those, but very little. Right. You have to be very careful with alcohol. Yeah. Beer, I like beer. I can't drink a whole beer now. Oh, interesting. The the, the carbonation. That would be again. hard for me. That's like yeah, I can't. That's my that's my drink of choice. I love a really good IPA. Like, oh yeah. That is like that for it's me. It's like is, good coffee. That's the yeah. yeah. It's the same thing. It, that for me is delicious. Sure. Yeah. I used to make beer. But it also contributed to my condition at the time because I made so much of it and drank so much of it. So your lifestyle will change, but embrace that lifestyle change because people are like, oh, it must be horrible. I'm like, no, I'm actually living a life that I always kind of wanted. And I'm, I look at food differently. I look at food from a quality perspective. Yeah, you know? right. Uh, do I still go to McDonald's occasionally? Yeah, occasionally. Yeah. No fries. I, I love filet of fishes. Yeah. But I can't eat a whole filet of fish, Colin. I have to cut it in half and eat half and whoa, you know, <laughs> it, it's something else. Well, those fries at McDonald's. They're terrible. I know they're terrible, but they taste, I mean, I'm not going to lie. They taste so good. They do. But you know that you're like, is there a potato in here? Like, is there actually a potato? Makes you wonder. It makes you wonder, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I hope that you continue on with developing different clothing lines that fit people like myself uh, in a bariatric condition, because I'll say it again, the word dignity, there was no dignity in that smock that I wore down the halls of UCSF, but I did it. So, and you're also innovating, mm -hmm. which is cool to watch and cool to see. Yeah, just rethinking the whole um, idea of how patients wear clothing. Right. And so. So what's on the horizon? Or is it top secret? So we actually, there actually is a new product that we're going to be coming out with uh, this year or in the next few months, and it's actually going to be really funny. Like you're you're going to laugh when you hear it. So a lot of our product development has come from, you know, my dad as a physician, right? Who I wore your mask my, for a while. Your copper mask. Oh yeah, the copper mask. Yeah, exactly. That you know that, that was, was cool. Biocide. You know, the copper fabric was biocidos. It actually kills the bacteria when it's on the fabric. Exactly. So we have another interesting product development. So one of the things that my my dad always 
you know, heard from patients. It's one of those sort of things where, you know, the patients will ask the doctor like, hey, what about this or what about that? Right. And, you know, what do I do about this? And uh, kind of on the side. And so one of the things that patients always said, because after surgery, you know, there's a lot of just fluids. Your body is a little bit of a mess right after oh, surgery. Yeah. It's in trauma. And so patients. I was on insulin for the first 24 hours. Yeah. To and, get over the trauma. And so patients would ask my ask my dad, they're like, hey, uh, what do I do about my gas? Like I really right. I'm passing really bad gas. Uh, yeah, I dealt with and, that. And so anyway, we actually have um, put together a prototype for underwear for both men and women where we have. I'm not going to mention the type of fabric yet until sure. we release the product. Of course. But the idea of the underwear and is that honest to God, it works. Does it have a flatulence flap? It (laughs) it actually has a filter in it. Wow. It's woven into it. It's still very comfortable underwear. And honestly, if you pass gas, it it basically absorbs it all and you won't smell it at all. That's cool. And so... (laughs) Now that's innovation. That's innovation, right? Yeah. And so honestly, and it's, you know, we're laughing about it. We're like, you know what? Like, even though I don't go through surgery or anything like that, you know, there's some nights going to sleep. I'm like, you know what? I could put on, I, I need to put on that underwear right now or else right my on. wife's going to kill me. Right. And we so, all deal with, with that process. Yeah, we all deal with that, it. That bodily process we all know about. And, right. you know, and there's other things that you can do. You can take the gas X pill or whatever. Sure. And, and I think it does work. But at the end of the day, you were talking about pills earlier. Yeah. We like to avoid taking pills if, you right. know, putting something into your body. Oh yeah, I'd rather wear some clothing. Yes, that allows my body just to, to react or do the things that it, right it's, in a passive it, way. In a passive way. The the other thing I was on CPAP for oh, over yeah, CPAP. ten years, and I'm not on CPAP anymore, and that mm. contributed to belching and gas. And I'm so glad I'm not on CPAP because while CPAP is important to those of us who have sleep apnea, which I don't have anymore. It again upsets the pH balance of the blood. All these things that the CPAP and the drugs, sure, they suppress things, but they don't really solve the problem. Yeah. You know, and you're in the business of solving problems. I'm I'm a problem solver. And yeah. you know, uh and, and post surgery you are dealing with the gas that we're speaking of. So I think your product again is needed. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so anyway, we've got a, and we've got, you know, so many ideas on things that we want to develop. Obviously sure. there's product development costs and manufacturing oh, yeah. costs. And so we can't do everything that, you know, we can possibly think of. So we definitely have a list and priority list and of course, um, of all our different products. So, um, so yeah. So anyway, well, awesome. Colin. Thanks for, thanks for taking the time to discuss your bariatric surgery and just being open and transparent and comfortable about talking about it. Oh yeah. I, people who see me are like, I, I hear the same thing all the time. Wow. You look good. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> Oh, thanks. But I didn't look good before and I wasn't good. And I think you remember that person that was pasty and because there's a lot of conditions of diabetes and there's sweat and oh, it's horrible. Okay. So I'm just going to say this. If you're a disciplined person and you're willing to change and you have diabetes and you don't smoke, 
That's another thing. If you smoke, you have to go into a smoking cessation program because I, I don't understand people that have these surgeries and go back to that lifestyle. It's like, that's not going to help you. That's, yeah. you know, but if you're willing to change and you make these changes, then maybe bariatric surgery is right for you. <laughs> Talk to your doctor about that. So how about that? <laughs> that's great. Awesome. Well, thank okay, you man. so much. It's been awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Ken. Anytime.